Good morning, everyone. I thought we would stay in John chapter 11 because this COVID situation has uh, sent everything into sharp relief, life and death and eternity and the meaning of life, etc. So I thought we would look again at John chapter 11 and the shortest verse in the whole of the Bible is found here. Jesus wept. Three times in the New Testament we read of the Lord Jesus weeping. Here in John 11, in Luke 19 and in Hebrews 4. What causes him to weep is sin and its consequences. John 11, we'll see in a moment the sorrow of bereavement. Luke 11, the stubbornness of unbelief. And Hebrews 4, the separation from his God that he's about to experience on Calvary. What I want us to see in this chapter isn't so much about Lazarus, even though he is the one who's sick, dies and is resurrected. What I want us to see is Jesus ministering to the needs of the family in the sorrows of their loss. I remember going to a funeral service of a much-loved husband, father and grandfather. I listened to the preacher expectantly and to other contributors And I just longed for someone to get up there and comfort the grieving hearts of that family. Please don't misunderstand me. There wasn't anything said that was wrong. It just seemed to me that neither was there any oil of healing and wine of promised future joy from the word of God being poured into their broken hearts. We noticed in the last message that Jesus not only loved Lazarus, but he loved Martha and Mary too. The Lord knew what he would do, and that was that he would raise Lazarus from the dead. But until that took place, his focus was on the needs of the living. The very fact that the scripture says Jesus wept is evidence of the fact that his heart was grieving over the grief with which these two sisters were stricken. And deeper still, no doubt, weeping over what sin and death has done in his fair creation. This verse, as I've said, is the shortest verse in our Bibles, but is possibly the greatest poignancy and tender-heartedness we'll ever read. What I also learn from this chapter is something extremely difficult and perhaps painful to accept, but nevertheless true. Jesus is the Son of God and therefore sovereign in all his ways. Often we find him healing the sick, but in this case he delays his coming because he has a greater purpose than healing. He says it is for the glory of God. Both sisters say to him independently, If you had been here, our brother would not have died. That was absolutely true. In fact, if Jesus had been there, he could not have died. And the unbelieving Jewish mourners couldn't understand why this had happened either. When they said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? So let's apply this to where we are here and now. Jesus is not here. 
He's in heaven at the right hand of the throne of God. We know that. And as a result, according to his sovereign and perfect will, he sometimes comes, so to say, and heals his people from sickness and disease. But it would appear to me that he often allows his people to experience the things that are common to mankind in a broken and sad world. When this happens, close to our own family and home, we must most often cannot understand and cry out, Why? Can I say, incidentally, there's nothing wrong with that question. Don't think it's sinful to ask why. Jesus cried upon the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And of course he answers his own question later on. It was because of the holiness of God and because he was dealing with the sin question there upon the cross. There's an old hymn that is a considerable comfort to those who are feeling this question why in their hearts this morning. Not now, but in the coming years, it may be in the better land, we'll read the meaning of our tears, and there, sometime, we'll understand. God knows the way, he holds the key, he guides us with unerring hand, sometime with tearless eyes we'll see, yes there, up there, we'll understand. Then trust in God through all the days. Fear not, for he doth hold thy hand. Though dark thy way, still sing and praise. Sometime, sometime, we'll understand. Another factor I've noticed in this chapter is that the grieving sisters were in that interim period between losing their brother and his resurrection. Similarly, some of you listeners today are in a sense in that same period you've had someone precious taken from you and you know there's a day coming when the Lord Jesus will call them in resurrection power and glory at his coming again and then together with them we shall all of us believers meet the Lord. So what did the Saviour do for those he loved in that interim period? First of all he came where they were His presence is so precious. He tells them of that resurrection day of reunion and everlasting joy. What a prospect. He weeps with them as they weep and is touched with deep compassion and pity, sympathising and meeting them at the point of their need. The scripture tells us, doesn't it? He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. We have a man in heaven who knows exactly how we feel. This is exactly what he has promised to do for us now, his own as our great high priest to sustain and comfort, as he alone can do. Human comfort is important, and we should be doing that, dear fellow Christian, to those who are suffering. But there is nothing like the comfort of the Lord Jesus. When a Christian loses a loved one, we sorrow, of course we do. However, we sorrow not as those who have no hope, Scripture reminds us. Because we shall see them again, 
and we will be together forever with our Lord Jesus Christ. What about you, dear unsaved friend, this morning? Do you have a solid foundation of hope and glory beyond this life? There's an old hymn that says this, Life at best is very brief. God bless his word to you today.